Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're going to be like, I don't know if I want my doll learning from me. <laughs> um. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Make it. Make the pasta. Make it. Make it. Make the pasta. Come on, let's go. How can she want it? They both are starch. Maybe I should make a mashed potato for on the other side. Primo, look, don't, okay? Because they are the first customer to come in two hours. The fucking pipes are... No. She's a criminal. I want to talk to her. Hello, everybody. It's Recotopia, episode 48. Uh, I'm, yeah, no, I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. And uh, welcome to all of you out there in uh, Twitch and YouTube who are watching us today on a Tuesday live as we uh, go through uh, our uh, podcast today. It is Big Night from 1996, and it'll be, be fun to talk about this. I haven't seen this. I had not seen this movie since it came out, I don't think, so yeah. Uh, so it was good, but uh, how are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing excellent. I'm excited to talk about the big night and mm-hmm. uh, all the other small recommends and uh, interact mm-hmm. with our chat friends. And uh, it's yeah. gonna be great. All right, all right. Well, what? Uh, speaking of those small recommends, what do you got? What do you got? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. I'm gonna start you out with a real chipper crowd-pleasing fun movie mm. called zodiac yes, um, yes indeed. many of you have probably seen zodiac uh but it is in my opinion probably one of the lesser seen by the masses um mm. david fincher movies um <clears throat> and you know i think everybody's seen fight club i think everybody's seen seven but uh, zodiac is one that may have fallen through the cracks for some people and it's an interesting movie I, I, this has been on i think stars or showtime recently and it, i've caught bits and pieces of it all throughout the week and i'm fascinated by this movie because it's structurally not it it shouldn't work it spans like six years it's got like too many protagonists uh and it's it's almost in parts um and yet it somehow works because I think because to date the Zodiac killer has not been found, named. Uh, this mm-hmm. has not been solved. And I think that's what drives this entire film. It, 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 
the investigation ruins the lives of everyone that touches um <clears throat> robert downey jr uh is a, a pretty great news news reporter at the beginning by the end he's on all kinds of drugs and alcohol and strung out and just very scary kind of situation uh, <clears throat> jake gyllenhaal loses i think at least one wife um and <laughs> custody of his kids i think he begins the movie divorced uh with a separate kid he's a cartoonist man he's a mm -hmm. cartoonist who not mm -hmm. only gets obsessed about it but ends up knowing as much about this case as almost anyone the real life person he's playing has published two books uh the those books were largely the basis of this screenplay this is a creepy ass movie man there's something about the way he shoots the kills that yep is unsettling as fuck i could watch michael myers stab somebody into the wall with a knife a hundred times and not be as disturbed as i am by that daylight knifing in the park on yeah. a hill it's just oh, if you've not seen zodiac i can't recommend it enough uh if you like fincher movies this is great if you like murder mystery this is great all the performances are great it's shot on the special camera that makes it look like it was really shot in the 70s it's mm. i just love it and i've rediscovered my love for this movie this past week so i wanted to share that on <clears throat> and there's uh there's another scene in there too where i think it's jake gyllenhaal goes to see a uh, um, like a guy who used to be in the movie industry or something like that he has a bunch of posters or so i can't remember what it is is that what yeah. it was and that scene that yes he's in this guy's basement and he's like, listen, so I think it's this guy who's the Zodiac because the fingerprint on these posters matches the letters. And the guy was like, well, he never lettered the posters. I did that. Yeah. And there's <laughs> sense of, oh, fuck. Yeah. And we, he can't get out right away, but he wants to. And ultimately, by the time he gets to the front door, he's running. He's just bolts yeah, out the front door. Such a great away. scene. It's such incredible. It builds the tension. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a big recommend at some point. In fact, I think it's run across my head to make it a big recommend. Uh, mm. So, but I know your love of this movie. So, uh, so I'm, I may be holding out for you to to big recommend it at some point because this would be a great deep dive type movie. Um. I, uh, I got to watch uh, more movies than average over the past week. So uh, finally have a good stable of things and I don't have to like say, hey, Avatar Way of Water is decent. Um, uh, but uh, I watched a movie in theaters uh, this past week uh, that I really, really enjoyed. And it seems like a lot of people are enjoying Megan. Um, mm. The the uh the the, the yet, yet another you know ai is gonna kill us uh you know sort of uh exhibit uh three million two hundred and forty five or whatever um uh this movie uh you you've seen the trailer so it, it look it, it's like is this a comedy or is it a horror movie and i think it's a comedy more than it's a horror movie um but it does have horror elements uh in it uh but um just like any horror movie i was sitting there going man this is like when we were back doing the uh the october uh movies and it seemed like everybody's uh, parents were or kids were dying in a car crash at the beginning yeah. of the movie this time uh the, the little girl in this movie her parents die in a car crash while she's in the back seat um we are introduced right off the bat Verhoeven style, RoboCop style, huh. with this commercial for uh, a a pet 
that never dies. Basically it's an, it's a, you know, it's a robot pet that will always be with you. And there's seven different kinds and blah, blah, blah. And it's told in that very, like, like kind of a, a scary manner in a way, because you're <laughs> like, like, wow, we, we really put a commercial like this. It's kind of just off kilter enough to be like, wow, that's fucked up. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, like her parents die, her, uh, uh, her mom's sister played by Allison Williams is a, is, is a, is someone who works at a toy company and she's trying to come up with the latest, greatest toy that all the kids will want. And, uh, one of the, one of the prototypes they're working on is these lifelike dolls that interact with you and learn from you at the same time to become better companions and things like that. I know immediately your eyebrows should be like, if you ever hear this in the real world, you're going to be like, mm, I don't know if I want my doll learning from me. <laughs> um, um, and uh, so there are a couple of failures at the beginning. And Allison Williams is not ready to be like a guardian to her niece and everything. She's she's very dedicated to work. And she's actually kind of looking for uh, a way to have uh, someone babysit for her while she does her work at the same time. And so a couple of things culminate in the fact that she's able to uh, ramp up the uh, ramp up the sort of the uh, I not the production well but just the she's able to finally come up with a prototype that actually works the way that they're there that she wants it to and she introduces it to her niece and yes this doll immediately starts like saying all the right things but there's a there is a hilarious opening like uh like a bonding moment between her and the real the real girl that you're that you're like in a in a lesser movie it would be horrible it would absolutely throw the movie completely out of whack and you would not be able to think about it the right you wouldn't be able to think anything it it, it it, it really takes the right deft touch to, to come off with a scene like that hmm. and, and, and do it well. Obviously the, the, the doll is learning from the daughter, but something the, the movie, I don't think the movie saying that these are inherently evil. I think they're saying something happens. I don't want to throw, I don't want to get too spoilery or anything, but hmm. they're saying something happens to the doll that makes it start to become evil and everything mm -hmm. say, here's your problem someone switched this thing to evil you know <laughs> um but uh uh they're saying something happened to it and that's where the doll starts doing like ultra creepy things but man there are so many funny moments in this there are many scary moments too but it's don't forget to laugh throughout this whole <laughs> thing it's just one of those type of movies uh, it made like 30 million domestic yeah, big ass uh, over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, this is, this is, should be mo up most people's alleys. I feel like every year there's a horror movie that for whatever reason, everybody just decides without planning, we're going to that. Like a few mm -hmm. years back, I remember it was a very similar feeling to now with this, uh, when it follows came out and mm -hmm. it was like suddenly, suddenly everybody was talking about it follows, um, this is a big hit already and I bet they're going to make a sequel. Oh yeah. Tomorrow. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, good stuff. My second, um, small recommend is a television show that I remember seeing a trailer for years ago and then forgot. And because I don't watch network television, uh, did not know it had come and has had three seasons already. 
This is a show uh, called Lego Maskers, and uh, it's on Seen Fox. Seen an episode of this. Mm-hmm. And it's hosted by Will Arnett. And um, I have very recently gotten a little bit into Legos. Uh, my family gave me, I think I tweeted about it, my family gave me the Friends uh, Lego set of the Central Perk coffee shop with all the little mini figurines of mm-hmm. Friends. It's up here on my shelf. Uh, my wife and I spent like five hours putting that together, and it was really fun. Uh, and then I think I saw a tweet about Lego Masters, and I was like, oh, I remember they were going to do a show about people doing Legos. That's what this is. Um, and uh, I've only seen three episodes. It's on Hulu. It's also on Tubi for free if you don't want to stick with the network uh, schedule. And I have some gripes, but this is a really fun show of teams of Lego builders competing in challenges. It's like Top Chef for Legos. Uh, so the very first one is they have to build um, a theme park. And one of the spe- specs of the challenge is you have to have a moving, working ride. And I, once that was said, I was like, okay, all of these people are on a different level than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and almost all of them built a moving, working carnival ride with legos and I'm like wow the hell? um the only the only downside and this is because it's a network show uh, i think something like netflix or prime would be a little bit uh more naturalistic uh they script all this cheesy shit for will arnett to say and do and it, mm-hmm. it, like little skits even sometimes and it's absolutely maddening it's like i'm coming back from a commercial break and the show recaps 30 seconds of what you already saw before the commercial per- it's just maddening there's the, the second episode he says all right he calls the, the lego builders together and he goes all right this second episode now this is where we, you would think we'd bring out a big celebrity guest and they get all excited and he's like but we're not going to do that and they're like, oh. <laughs> and he's like except we are and i'm like that was 30 seconds that has nothing to do with legos and i like will arnett yeah. i really do but he's is the the problem with this show and it's not him it's the the role that they've put him in to be this like he feels compelled to be funny he makes terrible puns um Mm -hmm. but if you can get past that um which i can uh the lego and the building aspect of it is really super fun uh so that's lego masters it's on fox Mm -hmm. just got renewed for a fourth season and they did a christmas special two-parter or something too believe that's one of the episodes that i actually saw uh i was in new york and was in a hotel room and that came on and i watched that one of those episodes one of them got leslie jordan in it i believe it's so uh, interesting um uh but uh anyway yeah I, I i thought i thought it was pretty fun i didn't get a chance to watch it all the way through but uh but yeah it looked really good so i imagine if you were a top chef kind of guy you know you would like a show like this that gets people into these competitions and you know get to they they make really cool things with the limited amount of uh resources and so yeah. on and so forth so yeah like i'm i completed one set and i'm like i'm a lego guy and like these mm-hmm. guys are taking raw pieces thousands mm-hmm. of them and constructing their own thing it's amazing yeah <clears throat> um uh so they had the had the uh, movie night with uh so with friends over the past uh, weekend and uh it was my turn to choose, so I picked two movies I had never seen before. One of them uh, was a Stanley Kubrick film called Pass of Glory uh, from 1957. Wow. Um, this stars Kirk Douglas. Uh, it's probably largely the reason why Kubrick ends up being hired to be on Spartacus later on. 
uh but uh path of glory is about a uh a friend like the it's the french side in the i believe god i i I'm going to, I'm going to be really ignorant here and say it's, it was world war one. I. I think it was world war one. I. <laughs> I, I hope it was world war one. Um, and, um, and, uh, and the, the very opening part of this movie, uh, somebody from a, some, the, from the government comes down to a general and says, we need you to take what is known as the ant hill. And then this is at a moment where they're, you know, in, in the war where they're, where there's a lot of like, you know, you know, they, there's not a lot of like, uh, advancement going on. People are like hiding in bunkers and, you know, it, every time they do try to make a, an advance, they get, they get usually get, uh, destroyed if they try, they try to do it because it's just that kind of, that kind of thing. And at this point, when they asked this general to do this, the general's like, Oh my God, man, we only have like 8,000 people down there. There's like, no way we'll be able to take this anthill. And the guy's like, I know you can do it. And you'll be, uh, we'll be able to reward you handsomely once you want, you know, get you that promotion that you want or whatever, if you can do this. So the general is motivated to go and tell his next lower down that they need to take the anthill. And his next lower down is Kirk Douglas playing this guy. It's kind of weird seeing a French army being played by like a bunch of people speaking regular English all the way through, but you know, the it's, it's whatever. But, um, uh, so they're told that they need to do this and they're like, dude, like you can see it. Kubrick does a really good job of taking us through these bunkers. There's people just they're they're just they're tired they're dirty they're of course super injured you see people with like bandages all over their bodies being being uh taken through there's there's people who are just you know there are people who are shell-shocked at the time they're calling it shell shock not uh, not uh, ptsd mm. um and uh and there's just it, it there's just a no there's they're all demoralized and whatever and there's very few of them left at this point to do a major attack like this and kirk douglas is like man well, there's no way we can do this we can't take the anthill we can't do that there's no way there's no way to go and and do that and they're, and they're like i you know this sort of like well you're going to do it basically it doesn't matter whether whether you think you can do it or not you're going to do it so uh they do their best charge basically it's uh, is it's as good as it's gonna get and they get to another bunker and it's basically like if we run any further we're just gonna die there's no there's no sense in this with the, like it's 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 a it's clear as day you're gonna die if you run any further than this hmm. and so are they all just they all decide not to attack the anthill so the next half of this movie is the french government trying to find somebody to blame for not going towards the anthill. They pick three people at random to get punished for this just so that they can have something in front of, you know, the French press that says these guys were cowards. We, we wanted to have an advance and these people are the reason that you were let down. Basically Kirk Douglas decides to be the lawyer for the, for the, for the soldiers in this. Uh, it's pretty clear that there's no way that there he's going to get anything that he wants in this. He's not going to be able to call witnesses. He's not going to be able to do any kind of history, nothing. Hmm. Uh, the, the point for them. And even though it's clear as day to anybody who's watching this, the point for them is just to make somebody is just to set an example. And you can see that right off the bat. There's no real defense 
here, even though everybody knows that if they had run any further, everybody would have died. Uh, uh, they they need to get punished for, for whatever they did. So the movie is a very short hour and a half, believe it or not. It is a war movie wow. that is an hour and a half. It's it it has like a good good uh, first half of of like war stuff and then another half of courtroom type of stuff, and uh, it has uh, has a has a has a lot nice has a lot of good drama there towards the end as well. Uh, if you want to see Kubrick sort of becoming Kubrick, uh, this movie is not like a lot of the stuff that you see like starting with two thousand one, but you you can definitely see the director that's that's uh emerging from this from this movie and this movie is excellent it is extremely good so hmm. uh highly recommend it uh paths of glory 1957 all right that's uh I, I googled while you were talking and it's got some raves over on the rotten tomatoes area mm -hmm. so uh, yeah a really high score so that sounds like one to check out and it is one of the kubrick I have not seen so. Mm -hmm. um, um, all right, all right. Time for the big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. The big kapow recommend 1996, mm. big night. Uh, this was uh, directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott. They're both in the yeah. movie. And Stanley yeah. Tucci is uh, one of the primary characters. Um, they would go on to make a couple other films together uh, in various capacities. There's one with Oliver Platt, who's a producer here, on a boat with Stanley Tucci, and it's like vaudeville era. Why am I, why am I rambling about that? Um, <laughs> anyway, so Big Night is about two Italian brothers, Primo and Secundo. Uh, Secco, as they call him, uh, yep. some of the least creative names I've ever seen, <laughs> although that may be common in Italian culture. Um, <clears throat> they own a restaurant on the Jersey Shore. It's an Italian restaurant. Food is exquisite because Tony Shalhoub, his brother Primo, um, is the chef, and he's just incredible. He's got all this old-world skill and knowledge about flavors. And uh, <clears throat> We open on a dinner service where there's essentially two tables, a single person, a man who appears to come here regularly, and then a couple who I wonder why they're even in here in the first place. Mm -hmm. But they don't like how awesome this food is because they're stupid and they don't understand what mm -hmm. uh, risotto is. Um, yeah. So they 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 send back the risotto um, for spaghetti and meatballs um, and. Uh, Secundo is Secundo is the front of the house essentially. He definitely can cook, uh, but he's the business managing side of this, and he also waits tables when necessary. Uh, Mark Anthony is their waiter, Cristiano, um, mm -hmm. and so they butt heads because, and it's clear that they've been butting heads about this for years because Stanley mm -hmm. Tucci wants to make practical, sensible decisions, um, make money, have the restaurant yeah. thrive, uh, whereas. Uh, Primo is just a hardliner for the, the quality of the food. There's a conversation that later happens that highlights this where um, Secondo says, let's, let's, what if we took the risotto off the, off the menu? Mm -hmm. it, it, it takes you a really long time to make. Uh, you can't do anything else while you're making it uh, because it requires your attention. Um, that, that makes it really expensive. 
uh, and the people here don't understand it. Um, and I can't remember exactly what Primo says, but he's something like, why oh, no, he's like, why don't we, uh, people will love this. So I got an idea. And so Stanley Tucci sits down all excited, and Tony Chalup's like, what are we, good, uh, hot dogs? Give them hot dogs. <laughs> um, basically saying, you know, we're going to keep doing the risotto. Uh, across the street, Ian Holm owns a very successful Italian restaurant that we are led to believe serves bland, average Italian food and steaks. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ian Holm is fucking delightful in this movie. Yes, he uh, is. He's just breathing charm and life into this character. That Stanley Tucci goes to see him one night. And he's giving him a pep talk about, you know, getting his restaurant going again. And he's like, bite your teeth into the ass of life. (laughs) Um, And he tells him the story about Humphrey Bogart and how Humphrey Bogart came through town. And so Ian Holmes playing a character named Pascal. Pascal sent a bottle of really awesome alcohol with a handwritten note. Uh, to Humphrey Bogart and lo and behold two nights later Humphrey Bogart walks into Pascal's restaurant uh, and then he comes back several years later when he's in town again he basically advises Tucci to try this same approach to save his restaurant and promises to call Louis Primo a famous Mm -hmm. Italian American singer um, to come to town to eat at his restaurant and that will provide enough buzz and word of mouth to take the paradise their restaurant into the next stratosphere. There's a scene where he goes to the banks, Seco does, and basically finds out not only um, can you not get any more loans, but if you can't pay something by Friday or next week, I think he says the end of the month, uh, Mm -hmm. they're going to foreclose. So things are really, really dire. Um, And of course, he hasn't told his brother Primo that this is things are this bad. He's also sleeping with two women, or at least making out with one, um, and sleeping with another. Um, Mm -hmm. Mini Driver plays uh, Phyllis. She works at the bank. That's his technical girlfriend. Uh, But then privately, he's sleeping with Isabella Rosalini, who is Pascal's wife. Um, Yeah. And um, that is obviously messy. Um, Mm -hmm. They start planning this meal. They decide to do this big night dinner. They're going to blow it out. He invites... His girlfriend, he invites Pascal and his wife. Of course, Louis Prima is coming. He he ends up test driving a Cadillac. Everybody in this movie loves Cadillacs. And yeah. uh, Campbell Scott is the auto dealer. Um, he invites that guy to dinner. He says, park your car out in front of my restaurant and I'll give you a free meal. Um, he invites a reporter in to do a story about Louis Prima. And, uh, he goes to the flower girl that Primo secretly loves and invites her. And so you end up with this large... Allison Janney. Alice and Janney, pre-West mm-hmm. Wing. Gosh, uh, I also forgot to tell you, Leah Schreiber is playing the doorman yeah. at mm-hmm. Pascal's restaurant. He has like two lines. Um, mm-hmm. It's fun to see how fame works like that. Yeah. Because Alice and Janney was not particularly famous at this point. West Wing made no. her famous. She was obviously, she's really good in this movie. She's obviously had talent. And and Leah Schreiber, uh, he's not going to be famous until like the next year, but like he's in, he's going to be in Scream a little bit in the same year. Uh, and then, and then the next year is when he really starts to take off. But anyway. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, there are so many great montages in this movie. This movie does montages as well as any movie I've ever seen. There's a montage opening uh, of them making pasta. 
for the big night. One of the first things they do is they make pasta. They, they roll it out. They, it's, it's only their hands that we see in this lively Italian music, and they cut it into mm -hmm. squares, and then they're using this little device to roll it into uh, rigatoni-looking things. Um, <clears throat> and then we get to the party. We get to the dinner, and I want to jump through the screen and be at this dinner. I'm mm -hmm. not 100% sure what gets the bulk of the credit, whether it's the acting, the music, the directing. It just feels like one of the funnest, most delicious. They they dance around in a conga line. Everybody's just having yeah. a ball. And then it all comes crashing down um, when it's realized that Louis Prima isn't going to come. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, it doesn't crash down then. Uh, Seco says, well, let's just eat. Let's, let's, let's just serve the food to everybody. And it is amazing looking food. Uh, this movie is food porn on acid. Um, <clears throat> I would advise you eat before you watch this movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then everything breaks down. Um, uh, Seco is caught by his girlfriend kissing Pascal's wife. She runs out. Pascal's wife decides to leave, but before she leaves, she decides to basically embarrass her husband completely and tell the whole room that he never even called Louis Prima. Uh, Louis Prima was never coming. Mm -hmm. And Pascal's a dick, like for yeah. real. Um, everybody ends up on the beach because Seco's trying to chase Phyllis. She comes out of the ocean and basically says, I'm done with you forever. I think she says, I'm not even here and walks away. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> And then the brothers have a knockdown drag out where Primo comes and tells uh, Seco, hey, Louis Primo was never coming. He lied to us. I called our uncle last week in Rome. We've got an offer to go cook for him in Rome. And that is just the chisel that breaks them wide open. And Tucci mm -hmm. says, you go, you go. You know, I'm going to stay here. I want to I want to see through what we started. I want to succeed. I don't want to go crawling back to where we came from. And of course, Primo just wants to make good food. He doesn't really care where he is. Yeah. And everybody's devastated and wanders off on their own. And then the final scene of the movie, which is maybe one of my favorite final scenes it's in any movie. pretty fucking fantastic. He comes in, Seco does, into the kitchen. Cristiano's sleeping on the on the table he says you hungry that's the last line of the movie um mm -hmm. <clears throat> he gets down a frying pan he cracks three eggs he throws a little olive oil in the pan and a pinch of salt in the eggs and then he puts the eggs into the pan it's not really an omelet but it's not really scrambled eggs it's just really fluffy omelet scramble there's no ingredients it's eggs and salt mm -hmm. uh and it's so simple. And everything they cooked for the big meal was so complex. And yeah. I love how this is an opportunity to show that simple food, you know, his perspective is not wrong. We don't have to do this big, fancy risotto, tempano stuff. Uh, we can make really quality food with three goddamn eggs. Mm -hmm. um, splits it between him and Cristiano. And then Primo comes stumbling in. And they acknowledge each other with looks. And then... Seco goes and gets another plate and puts the last little bit of eggs on that and sets it down. Primo grabs a chair and comes over and they put their arms around each other as they mm -hmm. eat their eggs. Yeah. And I had not seen this movie in maybe 16, 17 years. Um, 
I'd seen it twice before this, but it was just long enough that all of this was new to me again. And I sure hope you didn't hate it because I thought it was delightful. I really, really loved watching this movie. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I saw this either back in 1996 or probably the year after uh, when it came on video and things like that. But uh, yeah, this movie's really good. That ending, that last scene is is uh, uh, just a magical thing because it's without saying a word, Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub have made up uh, yeah. after their fight. And it's all because he just made some eggs. He does all of that in real time. And it looks yep. like it's all in one shot. Yep. Um, uh, it's just fun seeing him just come over and crack eggs and just, and just start whipping it up into that little bowl and then, yep. and then sprinkling a little salt on it and then put it in the pan. You see it cook in real time. You see Mark Anthony sit there and he's like watching, watching him. <laughs> he brings the bread over all that. And then, and then, you know, then, yeah, they're, they're both eating. Then Shalhoub comes in and I, yeah, it's a, it's a great, great scene. Um, yeah, this is a, I think this is a problem of a lot of, uh, you know, when you have immigrants come over who want to uh, give an authentic style uh, mm. recipe, uh, a menu and everything like that. Uh, the authentic uh, that, that people, you know, clamor for, or as say they, say they really want uh, is, uh, is a lot of fool's gold. I think a lot of times because uh americans especially like to put extra things in their in these in these international dishes to make them you know taste better or taste them more like their to suit to their taste so a lot of these authentic quote-unquote restaurants that come in they just start making stuff that they know that americans will eat even though Mm -hmm. it's really kind of a bastardized version of the original thing and you're right. These two people at the beginning of the movie who are sitting there, like, I don't know how, why they got in there. Maybe they represent these kind of people who are like, I really want to see, I really want to have something authentic. And they think that the authentic means that it's going to be just prepared the same way as always, but it tastes a little bit better because it's, you know, whatever there, there's something that they're not, they're missing and all that. <laughs> and risotto yeah, the the you know the sh- this woman breaks it down. I was like, you said there would be shrimp and stuff in there. I don't see shrimp or anything. And it's like, and it's all just the you know the risotto is a different kind of rice. It's uh you know it's 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 a lot of it's just a lot of different things that they're not prepared for. I don't know if she, does she send the risotto back because I think she just asked for spaghetti in addition to. Yeah, I don't know that she sends it back. Yeah, she's asking for a a side. They go back into the kitchen, and and Stanley Tucci's like, I want you to make a spaghetti and meatballs. And then Shaluba's like, I want to know who I'm making this for. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, You're "You're making it for the woman out there. He's like, The risotto. And he's like, He's like, like, That's another starch. He's like, I don't know. Maybe she likes starch. Go ahead and make it. (laughs) And and he goes, why don't I just, why don't I just put it and make her a, a baked potato for a side as well? <laughs> Whatever. It's like, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, I think that's a thing that just generally happens a lot, uh, especially in the United States. Cause we're always like, we want to put lots of cheese and things and we want to put a lot of like, and that, and actually that's funny. That's exactly what that dude, the, the other dude does when, when Tucci's sitting there like, put shaving the cheese on the whatever he's got 
he's like he's he he's like, he's like he he gets done and he's like oh no 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 more more yeah. and he just keeps like three doing, times. he does it like three different times um uh but yeah the the the, the whole the whole trying to, you know yes it, it's one of the, i think it's something that happens with a lot of businesses in general you can be as authentic you can be as genuine you can be the best but it, unless people have like a a base of knowledge of how those how those dishes are prepared and what they look like and whatever you're never going to get a mass of people come in that's what's so heartbreaking about the reporter that they have there because he says at the end he's like i was here to cover louis prima being at a new restaurant and he didn't show up so there's no article anymore you know even though there is an article in there about how great this food was, but it's not like, it's not like that's going to be on the front page or like a, or, you know, you're not going to be like, have a great meal at a restaurant unless you're like a food critic of some sort. And, uh, and so that was what was so, that's what's so sad about it. I, uh, I do like all these relationships that they have. He has Stanley Tucci has throughout this, this movie, all the people he interacts with. The Ian Holm character is great. His accent may be terrible, but like just the, just the the fucking guy, you know, I love, <laughs> I love all of that. And he does really sink his teeth into that. Uh, I, I'd forgotten that he was, he was sleeping around in this, that in, and me with mini, mini driver, he's, he's like just doing like the bare minimum or whatever, I guess, to have a girlfriend. And then with Isabella, Isabella Rossellini, he's actually having sex with her. Yeah. Um, but uh but uh it, it it really creates this atmosphere for what is leading up to this big night he gets all these different uh you know all these different uh uh characters building up to um to uh, be invited you, like everybody i think that is shown in the film ends up at that big night like uh like near i think everybody right like everybody that's interacted with in the yeah. movie ends up ends up there like yeah. you wouldn't think that the yeah you, you, like you wouldn't really think that the car dealer is going to be, be going to be there but he's there yeah and uh you know it's uh you know it's it, i i don't know it i think this movie is just building up to uh something that we've lost a lot of i think especially here uh uh making food about uh, a social experience and mm. like making and, and taking your time with it and, and creating and, and having standards uh, mm. when it comes to uh, creating these things. And so uh, the reason why you want to jump into the screen and everything is like, yes, they are having the time of their lives. I bet when they're shooting this, they're having the times of the time of their life. Yeah. It looks like there's some things in here that they've cut in there's some scenes with Alice and Janney at the table and everything. I'm, I bet it has nothing to do with the, like the, the movie at all. Like they just put a camera on her and they just started having a lot of fun Yeah, and they just cut that scene in there. And it looks like it's part of this big, you know, this big night. I also um, love how those two actors, uh, they actually do some of the kitchen stuff. Like the omelet, obviously, Stanley Tucci's doing that. Earlier in the movie, he takes a garlic clove and smashes it with his knife and rapidly dices it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they both came into the film with some culinary experience. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, there are the montages of just the hands that are probably not them. But there's authenticity there. I think that's part of the reason that final scene is shot the way it is. Uh, mm -hmm. So that, you know, we were really seeing him actually do that. And I, I love that. Nobody in this movie doubts 
his food. Even mm-hmm. Pascal, who's trying to screw him over so he can hire him because yeah. he's that good of a cook. The newspaper guy who says, yeah, I can't write this article anymore, but you're right. This was the mm-hmm. best meal ever. Like everybody, everybody knows this guy is awesome at cooking. It's just how do we turn that into a successful restaurant? And honestly, it, as the movie ends, I don't know that they will. I don't know that they can. But what I know is that he's not going to go work for Pascal, <laughs> whatever he yeah. does, because uh, yeah. that guy fucked him over. <clears throat> yeah, I had uh, I'd read that uh, Campbell Scott and Stanley Tucci went to the same drama school or film school or something like that that's the reason why i i I, when i first started watching this i was like how did campbell scott and stanley tucci end up co-directing this movie like just i i I had forgotten that they they both directed this and uh and 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 through that for some reason is the first time i realized like was i through this research was the first time this is if you knew this, I'm sorry. This blew my mind that Campbell Scott is George C. Scott's son. I had oh, no, no. had oh, no, no. Idea. had no idea. I had no um, idea either. Yeah, like that had never been a part of like Campbell Scott's resume that I had ever seen before. And I was like, well, I guess that would make sense. But there's so many Scotts, and there's like whatever. Like I didn't think. Um, but. Yeah, the the one of the interesting stories out of this was that they had an actress to play Phyllis, and I believe it was Mary Louise Parker was supposed to be in this role at one point. Uh, and apparently, Minnie Driver was uh, was coming in uh, to promote a movie. I'm gonna guess it was like Circle of Friends or something like that was what she was she was probably promoting at the time. Uh, and she was talking with her agent about next movies that she might do or whatever. And apparently wherever they were to do this promotion, uh, they heard these two people just screaming at each other, apparently. And it was Campbell Scott and Stanley Tucci. And they were, they were yelling at each other, I guess, because one of their actresses had pulled out and I guess it was Mary Louise Parker. And, uh, that he, she just so happened to be in this movie that i thought that was really really interesting so that is interesting that's wild um Um, yeah i also read that uh mgm was going to distribute the film um but wanted them to change the ending and they held their ground and refused and i'm glad they did probably cost them a lot of money i mean i guess the ending that they wanted would have been they open up the restaurant becomes successful or something like that i don't i mean it's I don't know. I don't know how I look. I understand if you're an executive and you're looking for money more than you're looking for, uh, like quality or whatever. I mean, it's almost what the, what the movie's about. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you're, if you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, I don't know. There's not a feel good ending to this. There's like, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it's a feel good. It's a human feel good ending for sure. Yes. But like, it's not the success ending. Like we're supposed to have, this is an American success story. This is supposed to be, you know, like, you know, they're supposed to be popular at then. And, and Ian Holmes character, he should, he should be out of business by the end of this movie. And like, they're going to, everybody's going to this restaurant and whatever, but yeah, I wouldn't want to change that either. I Uh, mean, he loses everything. He loses both girls. The restaurant's probably going to close, but he still has his brother. That's the point the whole movie to me is that their relationship is is there's even when they fight there's clear love there Mm. um and that's that's what i take away from the movie is that you know 
his American dream might be falling apart, but what's stronger than that is the bond they have together. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to start serving mac and cheese with cut up hot dogs in it. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, I think we need to move on to the next phase, and that is mm-hmm. our double feature of the week. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. I've got a secret. This was super hard for me. Um, obviously, you're going to first, I'm going to give you, you know, the trademark, other answers that are, that are not going to be the answer. But, Good. Um, That's my uh, favorite. <laughs> but I went through a lot of this going, well, maybe chef. You know, Chef is another one of these, you know, small business food preparing movies, whatever. Yeah. I saw someone in the in the chat come up with the menu and I like the I like the parallels that they're talking about mm-hmm. with the menu there. Mm-hmm. Uh that would be an excellent double feature for this. Mm-hmm. Um I went through a bunch of food based things for a while and then I was like, okay, I wanna think this more about businesses uh hmm. like start like when you're starting a business and whatever now the really offbeat one the one that i'm still not going to use but would be it would be a good one under the same theme would be ghostbusters oh. uh, <laughs> ghostbusters would be an excellent double feature with this if you're just talking about businesses trying to start up and whatever <laughs> um the uh another one went along the lines of theater um the movie noises off uh oh was something that i thought of and i think was like gonna be the definite one that i came up with at one point but then i stayed in the theater and i said waiting for guffman oh movie that i want to pair up with this one uh because it's the same kind of deal the uh the uh it's a theater troupe that uh want to put on this great production expecting a critic to come and see it and uh and to and to push them uh, into star status uh that's beautiful uh, in the movie so i ended up with waiting for guffman here Uh, i think that would be a pretty good double feature uh, for this and if you guys have never seen waiting for guffman Oh my god. That is a really, really funny movie starring Christopher Guest of This Is Spinal Tap fame. Mm-hmm. Um and he he directs it a lot and he's uh there's just a million people, of course, best in show and all those movies, all those if you're familiar with the Christopher Guest stuff, this was the first one of those after This Is Spinal Tap mm. that they did. But anyway, uh yeah, that's what it ended up on. I was I was I was like a hundred percent gonna do noises off for a long time. And I think just somewhere just thinking about this theater thing the waiting for guffman uh i was like oh yeah because they're 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 trying to get a critic to like yeah trump them up at the end yeah that's beautiful i I didn't think of that one uh i was thinking you might go with the menu uh just because there are not only just the title cards for each course of the meal but there are Mm -hmm. parallels between the two main chefs, you know, the, both of those movies and demanding standards. And uh, I also just read yesterday, and I think this is, is relevant, um, that the most uh, famous restaurant in the world, considered the best restaurant in the world, uh, Noma, which I think is in Copenhagen, mm-hmm. 
is closing after two decades. And the guy that runs it is considered the most innovative chef in the world. Uh, and he's saying, we, we have to rethink fine dining because it's too, it's too hard. It's too much work. And we're burning out all of our um, kitchen staff by asking yeah. them to work all these extra hours to, and, and I feel like having just watched the menu, I felt like maybe this guy just watched the menu <laughs> and yeah. realized this, we can't keep doing it. So he's going to turn it into a test kitchen where he keeps innovating food that and other chefs can come in and innovate. He's just not going to serve the food to anybody anymore because he thinks that fine dining has to have a, a seismic shift to a, a I, new model. I mean, if you think about the, the, like the, the entertainment we've seen in the past, a uh, couple of years where you have um you have the you have the bear and you have eat the menu um there's a couple others there's one there's a movie i'm trying to come up with that has stephen graham in it that i just recently saw that it's all in one shot i just called boiling point mm. um mm. the uh the you see all of these different uh shows and movies we've seen they they all talk about like how tough it is to be in the restaurant business like you know the pressure the the amount of hours that you're working the 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 drug use all of that type of stuff is being covered in everything that i've seen mm -hmm. uh in the past three or four years it's insane how many how many of these have come out and yeah i mean that's <laughs> i don't doubt it I don't doubt it. I mean, yeah. to, to, to make that kind of quality food for exacting standards for everybody, not only your boss, but the people who are eating it and, yeah. and, uh, whatever, God, I wouldn't want to do it. That's for sure. No, I, I just, yeah. I'll, I'll be curious to see how that impacts the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Forward. Pig jagged said pig is another one that, yeah, yeah. that's another one that, that talks about the, the pressures of all of that. So, yeah. Um, um uh, all right well uh i think that waiting for guffman is a fantastic double feature good pick mm -hmm. uh you continue to surprise me and uh <laughs> what is next week's homework a movie that i thought that uh got uh totally passed by and because of the 2020 pandemic uh and you know we're still in a pandemic so i hate calling it the pandemic back but everything everybody knows what we mean when we say the pandemic 2020 um, but, uh, uh, another round is the movie that, uh, uh, I want to, uh, put on everybody. When we, I watched this, we were, we were doing our best of 2020 and this movie, uh, came up in the listing that Aaron sent, sent sends us every year and, uh, it stars Mads Mikkelsen. Um, it's just one of these, it's one of these movies that, uh, I just think it got just, I don't know. It just got completely glossed over. It may have gotten some Oscar nominations for some, I don't know. I don't know if it did or not, but, uh, but it's about four teachers who read a quote about how much alcohol you should have, you should have in your system at any one time and be functional. And they try to test this theory trying to be the the you know to have the just the right amount in their system while they're teaching their classes now, obviously some go too far and some don't do it enough and so on and so forth it's a grand experiment but it's a very funny movie some some a lot of drama in it as well i only saw it the one time in 2020 but i remember it being great and not very many people talking about it 
Um, so I wanted to revisit this movie because, uh, it's one of those that's in danger, I think of not being, uh, you know, of, of being forgotten, so to speak, even though it's got a very high rating on the IMDb. Um, I, I think you can watch this movie on Hulu. You can. Um, and seeing the poster here, I, I know I read about this or saw this poster two years ago, but when you said the name of the movie, I was like, Ooh, is it a golf movie? Cause I'd completely forgotten about it. And, um, um, sorry, my computer just made a loud noise for some reason <laughs> in my ears. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's on Hulu. If you uh, have a premium subscription on Roku, you can also watch it. Somebody in the comments said it's on Canopy. I think that is the library-based streaming service that mm -hmm. you can access uh, with a library card for free. Uh, another round is next week's homework, and I have never seen it, so I'm excited to get into it. And yeah, I was, I was, I, I, I figured you probably hadn't, and I was kind of excited to finally get a movie that we, one of us hasn't seen. There, yeah. there may be a time I have a wild hair and try to get one that both of us haven't seen. Uh, <laughs> that's not some contemporary movie that we had to watch, whatever. But, um, uh, but uh, this one I was fairly certain you hadn't seen, and I don't hear enough about it, and I think it's a great movie. So anyway. Uh, right. looking forward to rewatching that one. I am down. Let's get to a question or two before we head to lunch. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Uh, recently you asked, answered a question about movies that had terrible titles, but were actually great. What are some movies with great titles that are actually bad? Okay. Um, so the first one that came to mind was Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Um, <laughs> yes. Which is based on a book, obviously, but uh, it's uh, th it's one of the worst movies that you'll ever watch. Uh, yeah, 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 it is. Uh, the Men Who Stare at Goats. I don't mm. know if that's a, it's a kind of a crazy title. It may not be a great title, but it's it certainly uh, certainly tells you that there's a movie that you're like, that this is going to be sounds like it's going to be a lot better than what it ends up being when you watch it um how to lose a guy in 10 days i thought that was a good title movie's terrible i hate it mm. Mm. um indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull yeah that's another one yeah. <laughs> that sounds sounds amazing to me kingdom of the crystal skull and it's terrible yeah so anyway yeah no that's good that's good I, my answers are lame you like picked actual titles that would intrigue i picked mm -hmm. cloud atlas because I think that <laughs> is an intriguing title, at least. Uh, Cloud Atlas. Okay, that sounds mm -hmm. interesting. And I've, again, um, I've seen this film five or six times at this point, and it's just mm -hmm. no longer, I can't make it good. Now it's just getting worse every time I see it. Um, mm -hmm. but for the first yeah. three viewings, I was like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I won't go with uh, Cloud Atlas, but I really think the Crystal Skull is the best answer. There. Um, um, over in the comments, we've got, I think people are maybe uh, having a laugh with Sin City since it's our, our, our mascot, uh, yes. terrible movie here. Uh, Jet Smith says Crash. Uh, Shaggy Nut says The Gods Must Be Crazy. I, know, I don't know if that movie's bad. I can't. I haven't seen that movie in ever. The Gods Must mm, Be Crazy. I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, it's a, like a Coke bottle lands in this, like, I think it's it's in this African uh, tribe, whatever, and they, they, they I don't know. I, that's all I remember is the Coke bottle. Uh, <laughs> okay. or, but, 
I just remember it being, I thought it was kind of funny. Anyway, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, epic movie, The Day After. I actually thought about The Day After Tomorrow, and I was wondering, <laughs> is that a good title, or is, or is that just like, you know, like the South Park did that episode where they were they were making fun of like the the day after tomorrow's like it'll be the the day before the day after tomorrow (laughs) 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 you know stuff like that um all right let's do another one top gun maverick defied all the skepticism and turned out great what other shaky sequels turned out great um my answer does not conform to the question go ahead chris uh does it say shaky sequels it does, it said, but that's not how I answered it. I answered oh, it. Oh, this is what other years later sequels turned out to be great on my on my end. I don't know if it's a shaky. How did mine sequel. say shaky? All right. Well, yeah. I don't know. What other years later sequels turned years out la- great? This one's really hard, by the way, because most of the time these movies are not very good. Uh, but I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine yes. certainly fits that bill. Yes. Um. Uh. I like it better than the original. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I went with the mother of all years, years, years later sequels, and that's the color of money, which mm-hmm. is uh, yep. follow up to hustler hustler. Uh, Paul mm-hmm. Newman is in both, but in the second one, he's like 40 years older. Mm-hmm. I like color of money. That's going to be a main recommend one of these days. Because yeah. That movie rules. <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, objective sid says aliens which is a good one that's uh that came out uh seven years after the original alien that was interesting right the alien alien came out in 1979 was a big hit and then like it took them seven years to come out with a sequel to that i'm, I'm wondering what happened there yeah. i've never heard that story because you would think that there'd be a sequel almost like two or three years later in this era of film right so Maybe it's you know, I, and it's not. You can't say it's a Cameron thing because Cameron what, didn't have the clout at that at that right. point to to be like, I'm going to spend seven years making the new Alien movie. And he didn't have that kind of clout. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway. uh, pray in the comments. That's an yes. excellent answer. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. For Ghostbusters sure. Afterlife. I liked that movie. Um, Toy didn't. Story three. I understand that yeah um okay well all right so uh next week will be another round and uh we'd like to thank you guys uh, for coming into the chat today on twitch and youtube mm-hmm. um uh thank you for uh contributing to the conversation uh always great, glad to see you guys uh but uh yeah that's going to do it for this week see, we'll see you guys be a part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com Hey man, all right. Hey man. Hey, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Hey man. I don't even know what's going on. I don't either. I just I made a funny voice and I yeah. liked it, so I kept doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's like a half Mitch Hedberg, maybe just half you. <laughs>
My favorite scene in uh, Horrible Bosses 2 is when they uh, call uh, Christoph Waltz mm-hmm. and, and try and do cowboy voices. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Looks like a grasshopper found himself a blade of grass to sit upon. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And Christoph Waltz even says, okay, listen here, fake cowboys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both times Nashville teams have made it far in the playoffs in the past, whatever, five, six years. They're teams that, like, you're just like, oh, no chance that they have. There's just no chance. Yeah. And, well, for whatever reason, they're that team that comes in and just, like, gets a bunch of breaks or they've found something that works in the playoffs. And so, like, Nashville was like that. I, we They were about to – they were going to – they faced the Blackhawks in the first round. We're like, nah, you know, I mean, that's good. Yeah. Good job getting in the playoffs, guys. You can get swept by the Blackhawks. And then they swept the Blackhawks. Yep. And then they just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then the Titans a few years ago were another one of those teams where they made it to the AFC Championship and even had Kansas City on the ropes in the AFC Championship. And, and uh, you know, then Patrick Mahomes did his thing. But yep. still, those teams went way farther than any of us had any dream of them going. The following year... I feel like they made it past maybe Colorado or something like that in the first round. And then in the second round, they got uh, dick punched by the Dallas Stars. And then and then the following year, they had maybe the best record. I'm trying to remember if that, that was there. Was that that was a one and done because um, – God, what, who did who beat them? Because that, yeah, that was 2019, and that was just before the 2020 year where they had that we, the weird divisions because of the pandemic stuff. Yeah, I was I went down a rabbit hole the other day. Speaking of hockey, trying to decide because I made a casual reference to Patrick about uh, Mario Lemieux, or he made a Mario Lemieux reference, and I said, "What's wild is that Sidney Crosby is arguably as good, if not better." than Mario Lemieux. And then afterwards, I started thinking, is that true? Because, and I think it is, uh, ultimately, but I went down this rabbit hole, because this is hotly debated online, um, you know, like, who's better, Michael Jordan or Kobe mm. Bryant or whatever. Uh, and it seems like most people give the edge to Lemieux for two reasons. He has a lot more points, um, but I don't know that greatness is solely about points. Well, especially also, in the era like, in which Lemieux played, because... Right. Yeah. Because the points were, you know, a plenty. Mm-hmm. But he also took three years off. He just retired for three years. Yeah. And so when they line him up with Crosby, and everybody's like, well, you know, he had those three extra years where he wasn't even doing anything. And then I saw people giving Crosby extra credit for having Evgeny Malkin on his line. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, does Yarmir Yager not exist on Mario Lemieux's line mm-hmm. for several years? Yeah, like, exactly. They both had a right-hand man that was almost as talented as they are. But it is wild, though. Pittsburgh fans don't know how good they got it in mm. terms of uh, hockey because they've had the best player on in the world on their team twice now i have um i've heard from a couple of uh, of big time hockey people that they think Connor mcdavid is the best player they've ever seen yeah and i just think he needs the time to prove that statistically but when i have seen him play he's like no one else he's, I've ever seen. He's, he's faster than everybody. Speed. He he's yeah. he uh, he's bigger than everybody. He's bigger than everybody. He like does a lot of creative stuff with the puck. I mean, it's just insane watching him. Oh, it is frustrating when for it is frustrating that 
Carolina and Florida and like all these expansion teams, uh, Vegas had like great runs in their first three or four years. And we didn't get that. Yeah. Well, it's, um, well, did, uh, did Carolina have a great run in their first few years? I think they did. I thought they won the cup. Maybe I'm thinking wrong. Like, how long I have they been in the league? Because they did win the cup, but it was like it was in 2006. But I don't know how long they'd been in the league at that point. Well, they were one of those. Maybe this is the reason they were one of those uh, transfer teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, so there there are a lot of things that go into these, right? Like the Vegas Golden Knights got the most money to spend of any uh, expansion yeah. team ever. So they had, and they had the best like expansion draft rules in their favor that they'd ever that anybody had ever had. I think, and yeah, and so they got like all these great players, and then they were had they could you know they had all the money to spend, and so it was just like that's why they were good immediately. Yep. And yeah, I was wrong. Carolina is not an expansion team, but they they did go to the Cup Finals five years after going to North mm-hmm. Carolina. Mm-hmm. which is not as fast as I remember. They were but the I do, Whalers? I mean, I'm pretty were sure they the that, Hartford Whalers? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that the, the Panthers, Florida Panthers, went pretty quick after they were established. Mm. Uh, this is great radio. Everybody who loves hockey is enjoying these outtakes. Yes. Everybody who hates hockey is like, what? The All right, we're going to yeah, we're gonna have to forward through this. Oh, they're still pl- talking about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about a movie that I'm not likely to recommend, but I may recommend just as a as a lark to you uh, to watch at <laughs> some point. I watched the most batshit insane horror movie I had ever seen. Uh, it was on Criterion Channel. Uh, it's called House. It's a Japanese uh, 1977 movie, uh, and it's it's one of those where it. It's just got a lot of insanity right off the bat, just the way they tell the, they're telling the story and how they cut and how they like just uh, allow certain things to happen and whatever. But like it's about basically what it's about is this this, this schoolgirl uh, wants to go on a summer vacation to this uh, to her aunt's house, and she brings all of her buddies, and all of her buddies are named something that they are no they're going to be known for in the movie. So like one's named Kung Fu and one's named Prof as in professor. One is, you know, it's like that. It's how it goes the whole thing. But when they get into the house, all this stuff starts happening. They're using these weird practical maybe maybe first time digital effects and stuff like that, but like somebody gets eaten by a piano. It's the craziest thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life uh you know um uh, there are just moments of just like pure whimsy all the way through it and it's yeah it's hard to know whether to call it it's it's more comedy than horror but there's so many bizarre things that happen and you just read the synopsis of this movie you're you're gonna be like you're like oh yeah i need to see that you know it's because it just it's I can't even do it justice. There's just, you know, somebody gets eaten by a piano. There's like, uh, just, there's just weird stuff going on all the way through it. And it's just, it, it's sort of anything goes, um, all the way throughout. So anyway, you might enjoy that movie. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.